Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Crossroads Church and Ministries on this frosty 21st of January. Why would we think it would be any different, though? You know, I've lived here 52 years, and I haven't changed anything, so no sense complaining about the weather. It's wonderful to have you with us. It's wonderful to have you with us online. We say good morning to you, everybody that's uh, doing the online chapel thing today with us. We're so grateful that you're here with us. We will be singing and praying and hearing uh, a great message and also receiving communion together. So if you haven't already done so, make sure that you get your elements ready, some bread and some juice or whatever that you have that um, you could uh, partake in this communion meal with us is wonderful. So we say good morning to you. Uh, We want you to know you can find out what's happening here at Crossroads by going to ccmonline.org or by going to our Facebook page, which you may already be at right now. And if you'd like to give online, you can do so at ccmonline.org slash give. So check that out. We say good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Raise a hallelujah. Can I hear everybody say hallelujah? I want to hear it at the top of your lungs. Hallelujah. All right. So our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 62, 5 through 8. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Hope is from God. So this morning as we come for communion, we're coming to the table of mercy. And we're remembering wine and bread. There will be a few places where you're able to serve yourself. And there will be places where you can be served. And we want to say this is a meal that heals. And God, we pray that you would heal our our minds, our hearts, and our bodies today as we remember Jesus on the night you took your last meal with your friends. And you said, this is my body given for you, broken for you. And this is the lifeblood that is shed for you, for the new covenant. And so today, as we eat and drink, we pray that healing would just flow through this place. Let your healing flow, Lord Jesus, in only the way that you can do. Miracles of bread and wine and prayers. We receive the life of Christ here on this day for whatever it is. The children you love are standing and believing and receiving in Jesus' name. You're welcome to come up and serve yourself or be served. So, well, good morning uh, again. Um, I am the unqualified Next Steps news person for the day, but uh, here we go. So why don't we talk a little bit about what's coming up this week here at Crossroads. First of all, uh, we see Experience Crossroads is coming up Sunday, Fe- uh, Sunday, February 4th, after service in the cafe. And so we'll be experiencing that together in here in the message. And then after the message, we'll get to go upstairs for some coffee, conversation, a little bit of food about the vision, the mission, and the beliefs here at Crossroads Church. So we hope you'll join us for that. Also coming up, Transforming Retreats. Discovery Retreat is on Saturday, February 17th. 
uh, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. and helping you find out what is it that what, that what is your want for 2024. Get in touch with the ways God is speaking to you through your desires. And you can register for that by going to ccmonline.org slash events. Lots more on the website about that. Next, coming up, uh, it's during, uh, during uh, Lent will be our series on wilderness camp for the kids. And that begins on February 19th. Uh, if you want to know more about that, again, you can click on the, uh, the QR code there to find out more. But our kids are going to be having a great time. We're just going to keep taking them to camp up there. So uh, they'll have an amazing time for that. So if you want to connect with us here at Crossroads Church, uh, we hope that you'll come see us at Next Steps in the back corner back there, the lovely curved table. And uh, as always, you can find out all the information you need, ccmonline.org, or just uh, grab yourself a camera click of that QR code, and it'll take you there. And I think, thank you for joining us. <laughs> you think? Does that mean some of us you're not thinking? I'm thankful for everything. <laughs> you're awesome, Doc. You make me feel so comfortable with your sweater. <laughs> I wish I had one of those on right now. Just a couple things I want to straighten. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, lean in, lean in, Doc. <laughs> Can you say Don? <laughs> Hi, Don. <laughs> I, I, a little bit of business before we get going. Uh, Claire mentioned that over the last 62 years, uh, we were recounting miracles. I'm only 61, just for the record. Claire's birthday was last week. <laughs> or two weeks ago or so. Can't resist. Anyway, but I will say this. It was, uh, as Claire said, um, Julia had sent us that song, and we were listening to it and um, praying. And one of the things, uh, just to maybe give you as a tool that can be really helpful, uh, is the practice of recounting powerful things you know that God has done in your life or in the lives of other people, uh, especially when you're entering into praying for uh, people you love and uh, that, that have struggles that, that might be in their body, might be with their finance, whatever it might be, because uh, it, it sets us in a different posture when we pray. Think about it this way, and Claire mentioned the scriptures uh, that Rhody had compiled when um, she had gotten her diagnosis, and it's a beautiful uh, document. And I, I just, for any of you, you can get, we can get that to you if you would like it. Um, but just read, reading through scriptures, and we take that for granted, how powerful that is, and maybe not, we take it for granted that, like, uh, we do that knowing that it bolsters our faith. Like, we love to read the uh, stories about Jesus healing the blind man, you know, uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. And it's no different what God's done in your life. You need to understand that those are just, uh, those are accounts and a reaccounting of what happened in real people's lives. So when you talk about those things in your own life, when you're going into prayer, it really can strengthen your faith and help you move into a place of belief and goodness and agreement with God's power. God is able to do abundantly above 
exceedingly above anything we can ask for, imagine, or think. And we just want to partner with that when we're praying for one another. Amen? So maybe just do that as you're practicing, you're praying, uh, whether it's for Julia or anyone else, Helen, anyone. Um, it might be helpful for you to really get yourself in a place uh, of, of prayer and worship. And I love the song, uh, Julia. Thanks for sending that out because... Uh, we listened to all, what was it, 10 pages, Ron? I love that. We listened to all 10 pages, and there was a little bit of preaching in the middle. It was so good. So good. Yeah. Anyway, carry that one with you this week. We're talking about new perspective the last few weeks, and um, uh, today I'm just going to talk about, and what we've been trying to do uh, and what we'll continue to try to do is we're looking at the life of Jesus in the Gospels and how Jesus communicated and did things and tried, attempted, or didn't attempt to, he did. He, he offered a new perspective on so many things that even to this day, there's a stuckness around. In today's scripture, we're going to be looking at a piece, just a small portion of the Sermon on the Mount um, and, and see how Jesus just really turns everything upside down. Not only in first century, but in our world too. Still, to this day, um, I love it. There's six times in the book of Matthew that Jesus makes this statement, but he says it in other ways throughout the Gospels. But in Matthew specifically, six times, we're going to look at a couple of these times today, six times he says, you have heard it said. In other words, here's your perspective because this is what you've been taught or this is what you've listened to, this is what you think is right, or this is just how the system of the world has brought you into thinking this is okay. And then he says, but I say unto you. Now, one of the things that Jesus does, and understand this, when we read the Sermon on the Mount, this is a, this is a portion, a talk that Jesus uh, most likely did multiple times. He may have said this talk almost everywhere he went. It wasn't like Jesus preached this. It's not like, you know, he preached this one time and then he never talked about it again and they just played it on repeat on a podcast or something. Uh, Jesus, this is, he would go in the countryside. And one of the things he's getting at is the perspective of how certain things in life are not an opportunity for us. He deals with the missed opportunities of our responses and reactions. And we'll see here that he talks about things that are disappointing, talks about things like betrayal possibly, conflict, pain, persecutions, criticisms, difficulties, being slighted, mistreatment, etc. And he, he communicates through the scripture in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things he communicates is the powerful opportunity, kingdom opportunity in our response and reaction. And he wants to communicate that to us. Like what's most noticed is how we respond and react to the things that happen in life, whether it's to us, to other people. Now today you, you may have come in here and you may not be a person of faith and somebody may have, you may have lost a bet and you're here or you're online um, or, you know, maybe you spent the night at somebody's house. <laughs> this happened to me a couple of times when I was a, in high school or actually middle school, spent the night at my buddy's house. It's like, well, we go to church on Sunday morning 
And I thought, well, we don't. We're, I think we're supposed to, but we never do. And um, anyway, so I went to church at those times. Um, so maybe you're here under those kinds of circumstances. And maybe you would say that you generally believe everything Christians believe. This is where I was before I gave my life to Christ. You would say you generally believe that, but you really have a problem with the way Christians don't seem to in general. You're not picking on everyone, but in general, you're not real crazy about the way Christians respond to what you think is pretty good stuff. And I would just say to you this, first of all, we're sorry, uh, and we'll continue to be sorry throughout uh, the rest of life probably. But we don't use that as an excuse. I would just encourage you to really pay attention to Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read about how Jesus came to flesh out and live the, the love of God incarnate and know that that really is what we're all working on. And we're going to talk about working on that a little bit today, but... Don't let us be the thing that keeps you from Jesus. We're sorry. Um, And here we go, uh, continuing with our work. Um, We are working on it. Matthew, starting in uh, chapter 5, verse 38. I'm just going to go through this a couple verses at a time and just point some things out as we go. And I just want to give a heads up. This This is really hard stuff. Um, when you read what, these are not my words. These are not your words. These are Jesus' words. And this is work. And it's good and hard. And it's the truth. Jesus speaking here, he said, you've heard that it was said, so here we go, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other cheek also. Now, a couple things I want to point out here. When Jesus says, do not resist an evil person, he's not talking about don't, that self-defense is wrong. Self-defense is instinctual. It's the way God's created us to defend ourselves. But what he's saying when he says to not resist, he's saying don't respond in like kind. It's what happens after you get out of that instinctual moment. How do you respond? Jesus is saying here, do not respond to an evil person in like kind. Now, as I go through this, think about Jesus' life and then the end of Jesus' life and then the resurrection. Think about how Jesus fully lived what he asks us to live into here. And then he says this thing that you may not understand. He says, and, and, and all of these things we could talk about a lot longer than we will this morning just because of t- time, excuse me. But he says, um, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other cheek also. Now, they all understood when Jesus said this what he was talking about. So um, it was... It was understood to slap somebody on the right cheek, you would have to, most people, because most people are right-handed, most people would backhand a person to slap them on the right cheek. It was literally, uh, it was literally an insulting action, almost trying to invite an aggressive response back. 
It was an invitation, kind of picking a fight, if not a physical fight, to pick a verbal fight, some kind of confrontation. There was an intentional understanding. They understood what this meant. This wasn't Jesus saying, you know, somebody, if somebody comes up to you and like knocks you upside the head, that's one thing. But what he's saying is when somebody comes up, and in this, in this case, they understood the physical meaning something bigger, meaning this is an insult. When they put you down, he basically says, do not take the bait. Do not retaliate to that. Respond in a way that will almost surprise them that will shock them. They're expecting you to respond in a certain way. There's an expected recourse, reaction. Jesus says, don't don't do it, don't buy the bait. And he goes on and he says, if anyone wants to sue you or take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Hold on to that verse, we'll go forward. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Let's stop there for a minute. If anyone asks you to go one mile, go two miles. Now, they didn't have miles, so this has been kind of translated. But what they did have was a regulation that that temple officials and Roman officials, Roman soldiers, they could put you into basically servitude. All they had to do was come up to you as a citizen and basically ask, tell you, you're going to carry my bags, perhaps, For a thousand paces, that was the regulation, thousand paces, it's translated into a mile. And Jesus says, if you're told to do that, go 2,000 paces. Now, they hated this, and, and, and we would all say understandably so. As a matter of fact, you ever been there like in a class or something, or maybe you were in the military or whatever, uh, and, you know, you, you, you didn't want to be chosen, for something, right? So you didn't look like the teachers at the board and you're like, I do not, I don't know what they're talking about and I hope she doesn't pick on me or he doesn't pick on me. So you like won't lock eyes. Well, this is happening all around where Jesus is going about, right? Because they don't want to be noticed. Hopefully somebody else will be chosen. And it was cruel punishment and you had to do it any time. Didn't matter. You'd be out with your family and they'd say, you know what? You're going to carry my stuff. And they hated it. And they thought it was unjust. And they thought they were being treated totally improperly. And Jesus says, when that happens, I want you to offer to go twice as far. I want you to rock their world when they mistreat you. I want you to respond in a way that is going to change the paradigm. I want you to live in this perspective. It's amazing stuff. And about this time in the talk, you can start to feel it, right? If it is the original Sermon on the Mount, they're on the hillside, but then he, if he's repeating this kind of stuff through time, they're like, you can almost feel in the crowd, there are people that are at this point probably saying, hey, Jesus, nobody would do that. This is crazy what you're asking us to do. And you know, Jesus, I remember that talk you had on prayer. Why don't you go back to that one? Let's go back to the prayer one. 
Or how about the story about the rich guy that builds the barns and how we all love stories about rich people that do stupid things. Do that one for us, Jesus. That'll be a good one. Or even better, how about the rich guy that goes to hell? Can you tell us that story again? Or the two brothers. The two brothers. That'd be a good one to talk about. That's got a lot of good feel to it. Would love that one. Love, love, love that. Don't love what you're doing right now. And Jesus, how about if you just heal some people? Why don't you just lay hands on someone right now and just heal somebody? How about that stuff? Because what you're doing is unreasonable. This is ridiculous. I'm not doing it. And Jesus is undaunted by the crowd and by us. I mean, I can feel the sense in the crowd like, let's do something else or talk about something else because nobody's planning on doing this stuff. Which leads to a question, are any of us planning on doing any of this stuff? Now there's another piece here in verse 40 where he talks about the court and and the, the suing and the coat. Uh, And then verse 42, it says, Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So understand that this is a little bit different than it is in the world today in that the rich and the poor, for the most part, lived right kind of on top of, they lived together. So they had no way of avoiding being around poor people and the poor people had no way of avoiding being around the rich people. See, we do that different now, don't we? We, like, separate things out. And there was no easy way to get away either, right? Like, if you go through, if you're wealthy and you go through a poor neighborhood, you can just jump in your Tesla or your Cadillac and just, you know, like Bob Seger, jumped in my Cadillac car and drove off far, right? Just go. But it's hard to do that when the fastest mode of transportation is a donkey. Like, like I'm going to jump on my donkey, I remember my dad one time played, and a, anybody here ever seen a donkey basketball game? I think PETA, I think PETA closed them out years ago. My dad, I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old. My dad was recruited to play at the high school. I think it was like parents of, of kids that were in sports against um, different parents they picked, people that were crazy enough to do this. Now, you need to understand, some of you are like, well, no big deal, riding on a donkey. We were not a donkey neighborhood. Like, that, that was not what, we didn't have an equestrian team, right? Like, we didn't do those things in my neighborhood. We did know what a horse and donkey was. Well, I'll give you that. So they would bring these donkeys in. My dad was playing. And I remember as a little kid being so frustrated because the donkeys were so slow. And there was this guy, I think he was the owner of the donkey basketball franchise. I think he's in prison now or something. I don't know. He had a clown, clown outfit. I think this is why I got shut down. Uh, and maybe they still do it somewhere. Uh, I don't want to speculate. Anyway, he had this like electric shock stick. And when he wanted the donkeys to move, and he'd do it at strategic times, like when somebody would go to shoot, shoot a basket, he'd jab that thing into the donkey, and the donkey would take off. And, of course, people are flipping off of donkeys and stuff. But anyway, I remember being so frustrated as a kid, like, that donkey needs to go faster. 
Like you could get off and walk faster than that donkey. Anyway, Jesus realizes these people are living together. That's getting off track. Anyway, and what Jesus is saying here is whatever the standard of generosity is, I'm inviting you to overdo it. I'm inviting you to be in it and to overdo it. If somebody asks you for a coat, a shirt, hand them your coat as well. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And do it in a way that you give people dignity. So he goes on and he says, and you have heard it said, here he goes again, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And they're, at this point, they're like, well, of course, finally a breather. This is common sense. This is how the world works, right? You love your neighbor and you hate your enemy. And your enemy is anyone that's done you anything wrong. That's how the world works. So you return the favor. That's how it works, Jesus. That's how it's always worked. That's how it still works, right? In other words, Jesus is saying anybody gets hostile toward you, anybody criticizes you, it might be a family member, it might be somebody in your classroom, it might be a coworker that stole your idea or mistreats you there. And Jesus says, you've heard that, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, this is pretty safe if there's really no action put to it, right? Like you can say you love your enemies, but he has the nerve to say pray for your enemies. Now, I don't know about you guys. Claire and I try to regularly do this. And I remember the first time being in a, being in a prayer setting where people were praying out loud and somebody started praying for someone that probably all of us, and this was a long time ago, all of us in the room probably considered an enemy. And you could feel the difficulty in the room. You could feel that there were people, there were some of us that were thinking, yeah, but how about these things? See, because I don't know about you, but like most people, I think, start praying with their family. Nothing wrong with that. Then they might pray for their friends that they love. They got a prayer list, but it can get pretty awkward when you start praying for enemies. Like pray what? I pray that hail and brimstone rain down, Lord. It's not what Jesus is saying. And the crowd is at this point like, who does this? Nobody does this. Are you kidding me? What in the world are you talking about, Jesus? So Jesus, the master teacher, has everybody riled up now. They're staying because they can't even believe what he's saying. Crossed arms, rolled eyes, whispering. You could hear him whispering, this is ridiculous what he's saying. 
And then he launches into why it's essential. Going back to verse 43, because this is all connected to that. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate the enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That, here it is, this is why it's essential. You may be children of your father in heaven. That you may be children of your father in heaven. Hmm. No, Jesus, I learned in Sunday school when I was a little kid that that's not how you come into being a child of God. Not those things. It's about believing in your heart and making a confession and then you're good to go. And Jesus would say, I never said that. It's not there. Anywhere. Jesus is looking for children that reflect the Godhead. This is amazing stuff. Jesus says if you want to be a child of God, pay attention to how you respond and react. Pay attention to how I respond and react and live into that. Verse 46, he says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? One version uses the word instead of reward because we're not really supposed to get rewards, are we? One version I think is a little more accurate. It uses the word recognition. If you love those who love you, what recognition will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And again, they're like, Jesus, everyone does this. We love the people that love us. Even the tax collectors do that. We care for those people. That's how it works. But he goes on and he says, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? So when he talks about recognition, essentially what he's saying is what St. Francis said, preach the gospel at all times. This is, I'm sure, a paraphrase. Preach the gospel at all times and Use words when necessary. When Jesus is saying recognition, what he's talking about is people recognizing who you're connected with. That they will be amazed at the way you're responding to the life that you have. And how you respond to them. And he says, if you you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than, than others? So he acknowledges everybody does this stuff. But if we're called to be different, what are we doing that is more than others? Your own people here. Who are your own people? Why do we gravitate toward our own people? Everyone gravitates toward their own people. Who are, the, who are our own people? It's the people that live like you, that dress like you, that vote like you, that speak like you, that look like you, that act like you. 
people that have similar views as you, read and watch the same things that you do. So what if they never pick up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What if they never find out what Jesus' life is about? What Jesus is saying here is they should be able to look at you and me. That we would stand out by our responses and reactions. And then the last verse, and this one can be a little bit as, as all of these can be a little bit confusing, and we could talk about this passion, passage of Scripture for a long time and not even scratch the surface, but verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right away, our minds go to, on our perspective is, what he's talking about is morally and ethically perfect. Now, uh, that's not what's being said here, and being morally and ethically whole and well is important, and that is addressed in a lot of other places in the New Testament. But what Jesus is saying here is Jesus is saying, I have come to reveal the Father on earth, and I want you to respond like I would respond, and I want you to catch the world off guard and grab their attention. I want your life to be lived as a reflection of how I would respond and react. And I know that there's nothing that Jesus asks us to do that Jesus, if we're willing, that Jesus doesn't enter in and the Holy Spirit doesn't enter into that space in our lives and give us the grace to live into this. To live into living in a world that has a certain perspective that we've been trained in, that we've been nurtured in. We live in systems that it gets, it gets taken for granted that we'll respond a certain way. We watch movies that tell us this is how you react in vengeance and we even cheer those things and we like long for those things. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, this is a different way. You've heard it said to live that way. But I'm here to tell you there's a different way to live. And I'm going to help you live it. So even now, God, all around this room, I know for me, I'm so challenged by these scriptures and I'm so challenged by, there's things that are hard that come up in, in all of our lives. And we ask, we open ourselves even now to your infilling, to the infilling of your spirit, to your grace. Help us, God, to live into a life of humility and care where we'll be people that will not react and respond like the world would expect, but that by our actions, they'll know that you love them, God. That we will, we will be a living epistle, each one of us, and as a church, and that people will be able to look at the reflection of you in our lives in some small way and know that there's something profound going on.
we pray, God, for all those across this region and even those online that are hurting today, that have needs, that are longing and have a desire to maybe come into a relationship with you, and certainly any of us in this room. God, we pray that they could see you clearly and see a reflection of you clearly that their desire would be met that your body would reflect you on earth as it is in heaven in Jesus name Amen So let's take a breath and this final reflection of where have you experienced God's backward kingdom? Where you've heard it said, but God is saying something new to you today. So just take a breath and notice what your takeaway is. say to God about that. How would you like to ask for God's help with that backward way? can you just say amen to God and this is what you're asking me to pay attention to and I just want to say amen keep talking to me about that God don't let me get away from it And so in our blessing, I want to just let you know that in your house here last Thursday, uh, prosecutor and service agencies and Internet Crimes Against Children, uh, MSP, Michigan State Police, were here on this platform, and they were training us to pay attention to bringing a different kingdom. They were training us on how to live in this century where we don't have donkeys. Well, and they were training us on how to not only protect our children and prevent evil from happening, but they were training us in how then to support survivors of evil in your house on Thursday people from around the state coming here in your house. And I want you to know that what it feels like to people who maybe this is not a normal kind of place to go to when they walk in and they see the hands of God holding the world and they notice the cross and they see the picture of the communion table that Helen painted for us that says everybody's welcome. I want, you to, I want you to know that your house preached. There was no preaching, per se, 
on the platform, but your house preached. You preached as a congregation, we have space for you. And I want to tell you if you're a lectionary reader, which I am, this morning's lectionary was when um, Jesus said to the guys, you know, leave your nets and your fishing, come follow me. And a lot of people think that that's Jesus telling them to get out of their lucrative fishing business. What Jesus was doing was turning the kingdom upside down and saying, Rome owns everything and I'm calling you out of oppression. Isn't that interesting when we start to read the Bible the way Jesus meant it? Like, they weren't lucrative fishermen. They were under Roman rule. And Jesus was like, come follow me. I'm delivering you from oppression. So that's the way the kingdom is backwards for me today. And in those words, you've heard it said, but I say to you, all I can see is Jesus flipping things over and saying to us, I want you to see life the way I see it. So may God take you into your very own life this week with the ways you thought of things and hearing, but I say unto you, and that we'd be open and we'd say, oh God, I don't want to live any other way than the, but I say unto you way. So will you just breathe on your way out and say, oh God, let me see the new kingdom, the new perspective, the way you see things, so that my life would be a sermon and not just my words. Bless my friends, I pray, every step they take all week long, every person they encounter. May they be revolutionaries for the kingdom of God. And everybody said amen. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week.